This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. This is your host, Kate Stevens. Um, today, I'm super excited to invite Stephen Borelli, founder and CEO of Cuts Clothing, to, to join us on the podcast today. Hey, Stephen, how are you? It's uh, good to be here. Excited to have you. So why don't we just kick things off with a little bit more about your personal background and how that led you to Cuts? Yeah, so I uh, was working at an advertising agency in San Diego, and we were presenting for Dasani Water, and I was working on a pitch for four months and came to the day to present, and we're in the boardroom waiting for Dasani to, to come uh, present, and my boss actually kicked me out of a meeting and said, that shirt you're wearing isn't professional enough for the setting. I was wearing an athletic t-shirt, but nice jeans and nice dress shoes, but it wasn't professional enough for that setting, but I wanted to feel comfortable like athletic apparel, and that's where Cuts was born with creating uh, t-shirts for the sport of business. And we, we launched the business in 2017 with uh, the Shop by Cut. We did our first 40 million all with one fabric. Um, and we just focused on creating the best t-shirts for the work setting. And since we've uh, you know grown significantly past that, and uh, you know our goal is to be a household billion dollar brand in the next few years, all while uh, you know really making our mark in the, in the market as being clothing for the sport of business. So, you know, tell me a little bit more about the brand story and how that's evolved. Yeah. So, you know, we launched on Kickstarter, like didn't have any money. We have, we've been bootstrapped uh, ever since, you know, we launched the business. We really have, though, the, the purpose of the brand was to start and to do t-shirts. But then over time, we realized, man, the, the sport of business encompasses a lot more type of fabrics and things. And so we started t-shirts through the first three years, and then we did polos and then joggers and then. Uh, jackets, and we've since expanded to a full men's line, and, and recently last year launched women's, and uh, something we're, we're super passionate about, and we think you know women's could be a huge growth trajectory for us. And so, how did you think about the first channel that you launched in, and you know, you know, where did you launch first? We launched on Shopify, on on Facebook, and Google, and we did that pretty much through the first five years, uh, an influencer, um, and then. You know, from there we were on Nordstrom online, and then Nordstrom in stores, and then from from there we were, uh, you know, we we actually launched our first retail in in Soho in in the West Village specifically, September of last year, and it's been awesome. You know, we're starting to see in that zip code our most profitable ad spend because of the the overflow oh, of. People can walk by and see it and still you know, shop it's online. One, it's a billboard. Two, three, you know, they actually walk go by and store and, and buy shop online. Their second purchases online. Three, so you know, they actually it, go it does in a lot store and buy and their second purchases online. So it does a lot of great things for the overall business. Steven, I actually met you first at the Amazon Innovate Conference. I actually met you first at the Amazon Innovate Conference. And I went home and asked my husband, I was like, have you ever heard of Cuts? And he was like, oh, they opened up a store in the West Village. And I was like, oh, they opened up a store in the West Village. Yeah. Made so multiple now visited more your purchases. West Village location. No, I'm wondering, no, no. Um, you know, are you seeing that type of behavior? You know, do you know is this you know net new customers coming to your retail locations? Is it you know helping existing customers buy more? 
Yeah, it's definitely doing all of that. So it is, I, I think, of the monthly sales. And again, it's, it's somewhat new. We, we launched in September, but um, it, we we are have, we are seeing a significant amount of net new customers. A lot of people, what, what they'll say is, hey, I've seen you online, but um, I don't really buy. I don't want to buy online. I'm worried about it with the sizing. So they go and buy and then they become a lifelong customer. And that may, that might be their only purchase in store. We, you know, we have run two or three events and it, it's been a really great thing for customers that just a great place of connecting. We had a Michael Chandler event. We had a Mariano Rivera event. The Michael Chandler event was on USC 295. He was at the passing out his tequila brand and it was an amazing, we had line out the door. Um, so we, we do, we get to do a lot of cool things over time. And I think stores in those communities are just a community, you know, hub uh, to hang out. And so things like that get, get us really excited. And so as you were thinking about opening up this store, how did you choose that location? You know, what was some of the math behind, you know, thinking about making that investment as a brand? We looked at our number one zip code and it happened to be in the West Village in New York specifically from a density standpoint. There was other popular zip codes, but there were, you know, customers on foot. And uh, so like, you know, it's a small store. It's around a thousand square feet. We said, hey, if there's the monthly thing gets shut down, can we afford it to be not open? And the answer was yes. So we said that that was kind of our risk tolerance for saying, hey, is 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 this a good opportunity to go for And so as a digitally native brand, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to test different channels and figure out what's working. Do you see, you know, this as a a test now store? And, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking for to, you know, make the decision whether or not you're, you know, expanding or if this just kind of becomes more of a permanent location? Yeah, I mean, we signed a two and a half year lease. So worst case, we could get out of it. Uh, A lot of leases are like 10 years. You want to stay away from that. Um, but you know, already there's a lot of things we would do differently. Um, but yeah, th- we, you, th- this store is very much a test case. We had an agency help us with it to go over kind of, they kind of taught us how to launch the oh, store. We did a little things differently. Uh, I think we did it on our own. We did a little things differently. Stores can be very profitable for us long-term. So I, I, I get really excited about what we've learned so far. You know, some of the little things you learn, like uh, if you miss on, if each sales employee misses two customers a day, it can equate to $400,000 in that store of net profit. So it's very similar to e-com where if your conversion rate dips even from like a 2.2 to a 2.1, you know, times how many thousands of people, it's very similar in in store, but with just lower quantity. So uh, we we treat every day just like our e-com store. How many people came in? What was the conversion rate? What was the AOV? Was it how many new versus returning? We have our own SMS list. I can that when people sign up, they sign up for local text messages and in-store products only. So there's lots of different things that uh, we're, we're doing to uh, treat it like just like our, our the rest of our business, but it's just the the store. And I, you know, we we're in Nordstrom and some of these other places, and I, I'm I'm fans of those, but they come with like strings attached or hoops you got to jump through. The store more or less is just an extension of our brand, and it's actually been much easier to do than maybe even like some of these other partnerships that we have. Yep. And so, you know, as you think about your brand, you know, end-to-end brand experience, which you have, you know, the own store, you have e-com, and now you have these other partnerships with Nordstrom, you know, how do you maintain that brand consistency across all of those channels? That's something that takes a lot of work because it's easy, you know, every 
you have to be, you have to say no to certain opportunities if the if the brand voice or messaging isn't going to be there. Like in wholesale, there's there's many accounts that we say no to because we just don't want our brand to go there. So it's just having a discipline. Sometimes in business, it's easy to go chase revenue and oh, we could sell X, Y, and Z. That's not really what we're out to do. We're you know, and we so lock, we're you know, for your own term, store, so it's often how are you saying thinking no about than yes? And so you know, for your own store, how, you know, the merchandising of what is in that store, because you have a, you know, a finite amount of space versus, you know, a, you know, e-commerce, you can you have much more. So how has that been kind of managing inventory in the store, what you're showing, you know, thinking through that? Yeah, th- that's actually one of the biggest learnings that's different where a store, like we, we had shop by cuts we had crew split hems, crew elongateds and crew curves. Um, in a store, that's just too much inventory of the same product, essentially. And it's taking up, it, it's a more of a substitute product, which online is easy to dot, like tangle between, but in store, it's square foot. You're not really gaining extra revenue. So I think from a merchandising strategy, it's actually helping our e-com because we're thinking very distinctive. Is there a reason this is different than the next guy, than the next product we come out with? And so for our men's bottoms, I think we've done it well. We have an ale, we have a jogger, we have a pant fake denim type product that's a little bit more of a straight leg. And so we, we have really different, they're not really substitute products. They're more value add or, or fully differentiated, been differentiated from each other. So I think it just takes a, a more level of, of thoughtfulness to do it, to do it uh, properly. So, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the merchandising. What are the other things that you would do differently, you know, in the next store that you're opening? I mean, one, exactly that, a better merchandising from a product strategy, and we, we've since fixed it. Also, too, when you hang stuff, like instead of a lot of times it looks cool, like you see the luxury brands and it's one rack and everything's uh, horizontal. I think when you put the items more facing you, it's a way to not have to have a sales rep so someone can see what they want and just grab it. So having different different depths, like things on sh- on 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 racks, how the rack is placed, is there is there a, a table coming out of the wall next to it? So you can fit a lot on a wall if you plan the fixtures in the right place. Like if you go into Lulu, they do it great. I mean, it's funny. Once you, I've been shopping retail for, you know, my whole life, but now when I go in stores, I'm like, oh, wow, that's thoughtful. So it's stuff mm-hmm. you don't even realize if you're just kind of going into shop. And when you actually do it on your own, you're understanding the thoughtfulness. And, you know, there's only so much square feet. You want to maximize it without seeing super busy. So I think our first store, we did too cool, um, but we missed out on square footage to sell more. So I think our next store, we're going to really plan to be cool still, but have a great merchandising strategy. And so, you know, taking learnings from what you've done in this first store, how will you think about approaching where your next store should be? Still using our e-commerce data. I think some some of my founder friends use retail to get into new markets. For us, we're just trying to be successful first. So I think the first 10 will be our best 10 markets, best 10 zip, zip codes, best zip code within those markets. And then, you know, what where's their least amount and most, least amount of risk, most amount of revenue potential. Uh, so, you know, we've said no to some places that were like, man, if this doesn't go well, it's going to be a big burn. So it, it just takes kind of one step at a time to be successful and, and, and understand the downside just as much as the upside. Yeah, of course. As you're, you know, tracking the New York location's success so far, does this, you know, feel like it's something that you're going to continue to replicate the strategy? Well, yeah, I think we need more square feet, but again, each location will get better and better. Uh, potentially do it on our own. You know, agencies can be good if they can move quickly. And so there's there's a situation where we would use both. But I think 
you know, someone said, Hey, are you sure you want to be in the retail business instead of econ business? And I said to him, I was like, I have to be okay with being in the retail business because you can't just, you know, that's what, that's what I got into. It wasn't just econ. I'm in retail. Econ mm-hmm. is just a channel. And so I think that is something that um, he was like, Oh, that, that's a good point. I, I don't look at it as two different things. It's one ecosystem to be successful at retail. Yeah, I uh, we completely agree. I mean, that's a, that, that omni-channel shopper and the way, you know, you interact and educate the customer in those different channels to make it, you know, easy for them to purchase wherever they, they want to purchase. So, you know, something I like to ask all of our guests is about, you know, something that they feel boldly or passionately about. So, you know, would love to ask you that question. Passionate about? Uh you know, I, I think at the more and more I, I've been in business is you have to appreciate the tough times as good as much as the the good times. There's been years where we feel like we can do no wrong. That showed up back at those to make years, those years that I realized like a little bit harder. If we would have had a little bit more pain stakes, problems brewing, and uh, that showed up to make those years that felt like they're a little bit harder. So when when times are good, I'm a little bit more, hey, what's actually... I'm paying much more attention to. And when times are bad, I'm like, you know what, this is actually a really good lesson. Think of how much better it is going to be in the future. Maybe that's not answering the question the right way of what I'm most passionate about, but maybe mm-hmm. the thing that I've, that's been on my mind the most about running the business, of just trying to appreciate each moment that you're in because there's different lessons to learn in both. Um, it, it's the journey, so to speak, but from both the the good and the and yeah. the bad times. What are you know? What are some from of the more the, challenging times that you've dealt with? Um, you know, at cuts as at cuts as a business. I feel like uh, in COVID, I just I remember that first week of COVID, I was like, man, is this it? Is this how we go under? And then after that, <laughs> we started a lot of other problems that happened. We sold through all of our t-shirts by June. Didn't have any t-shirts in store by in June because sales were so crazy. But then that's that's thinking about, hey, things were so good, but a problem was brewing. We ended up, I, we were selling so much, I, I rented like a 747 plane to ship it over here to make it in for Black Friday in 21. Because since like March of 2020 to through 21, it was good. But then demand kind of slowed down. And so it was like a double effed problem, essentially. Mm. It was, we, we increased our cogs because we were shipping it over. Then demand slowed down. So then you were selling those cogs all year. So it made your gross margin bad all year. And so I think uh, that was one of those times we didn't, we didn't look at, oh, the downside case. We only looked at the upside case of selling, selling it all. Um, so I think that's one of those times where, man, it was a lot of fun years, but we didn't realize the decision we were making uh, really for like, it really slowed down our, our innovation too, because we had to sell, we had to get through that step before we could place new POs. So that, that was one of the more, challenging times. And then, you know, supply chain issues were just a nightmare back then. We've since been diversified. Now we were two factories. Now we're like 10. So our business is much more sound. But, um, you know, those years really, I feel like from 2019 to 2022, I got my MBA. Like I used to think I knew business and I, I actually didn't. And now I'm almost the opposite where I still feel like I don't know anything. I'm actually sure that I know way less now than I than I thought I did then because of how much I've learned over the last couple of years. And what do you see as the future for cuts? You know, our goal is still to be a household billion dollar brand. And, you know, we want to dominate the work leisure space. You know, there's a lot of brands in the yoga, athletic inspired uh, businesses, but we're still 
athletic inspired from the nature of like the competitive edge that we, the mindset we bring, but more gear, go, geared towards the nine to five. And that's something that I think is unique about us versus like Aloe or Viore. Moving into the lightning round, um, just sure. kind of quick answers. So your favorite omni-channel brand? I have a lot of respect for Aloe and Viore, so I'll, I'll give those two. <laughs> I think they do a great thing and they're, they're really fantastic um, businesses that have made that switch. But legacy, I really like Lacoste. They've been around for... Mm. Like 75 years, it's not an answer that most people hear, but they have longevity, which it's hard in apparel to be relevant. You know, I wear Lacoste, my dad wears, wears Lacoste, or I did wear Lacoste. Um, they just make a really great product and the alligator means something. And they're inspired by tennis, but no one actually wear like, I've never seen anyone wear the athletic clothes in the gym, but you wear it to dress up. So there's a lot of similarities to cuts in that regard. Mm-hmm. Thing that you wish you could change about our industry. Kind of the get rich quickness of it. Um, I think, you know, there was a lot of people that had a lot of success in a year and a half and were able to sell their businesses. I've also heard of people go from 40 mil during 21 to 7 mil the next year. So things can drop off in a hurry. It just takes a lot of work to be good at it. You know, e-com, you got high CACs, you got return rates. You got changing consumer behavior. There's a lot of things that um, often are, you know, aren't as easy um, as they make it sound. It just takes so, a lot of work I mean, to be good at it. You know, are some of that, you got that high cap narrative has spilled into the return industry. rates. I guess another thing I'd want to change is just that DDC is like dead. I, I, I don't believe that. I think it's still a great channel to launch a business. But again, it needs to be a channel. It can't be the business. And if you, if you look at a lot of those e-com startups that were like cutting out the middleman and all of that, they ended up going out of business because they were focused on the business model, but not the brand. The brand still needs to it's be not a, not the, the other focal way point of the of, favorite of podcast. Why a brand is successful. I love all in podcast. It's not a, I, I know Jason and Brad. Not the other way around. Some of those guys a little bit. I met them. Yep. David Sachs. I'm a huge fan. Favorite of. podcast. So I, I love the all in. It's like my I love my news source podcast. for kind of. I, I know Jason uh, and Brad news, which is fun. And some of those favorite guys a little newsletter. bit. I met them. I love Morning David Brew. Sachs, I mean, I'm I lost it. And those guys really run a, a tight ship. So I, I, I love look up to them. It's like my my news source for kind of favorite social media channel. Like TikTok or Instagram or yeah. Oh, Twitter for sure. Twitter. Okay. Are you big? Are you big on Twitter? I have like seven thousand followers. No, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm big, but it's the one. So I had a presidential candidate retweet me. Mark so Cuban like, retweeted me. I don't care me. about. I'm married now. So like, I, don't, like, I, don't like, I don't much care about my Instagram profile anymore. Even though it's short my Instagram profile anymore. Even though it's short business. Real people like. It's actually kind of crazy. Like Mark Cuban, for example, you know, he just, we're DM friends and stuff like that. Like it can happen decently quick as, as a business owner. And so, which is, which is a fun, you know, Vivek, he's kind of an up and coming guy. I put this tweet and then he retweeted me and I didn't even really know who he was at the time. And I got like 500,000 views on this thing. So I feel like people don't realize that like that is still like, you're still within like an arm's reach of so many like people that it, it's kind of like, I feel like you're fishing every now yeah. and then something will bite. Yeah. And it's pretty cool like that. Uh, favorite book. I have two. One for like young people leaving college is the defining decade by Meg Jay. I love that book. One of her analogies is, and really encouraged me to start the business at the at, uh, tw- 25, 26 when I started was if you take a wrong turn when you're 21, you're going and you're flying from LA to New York, it's going to take you a long way to get back to LA. 
But if you take, if you go the right way and you take a wrong turn at the end, it's just a quick left to get to LA. And she uses that analogy to be like, a lot of people are like, you know, don't focus and don't grind in your twenties, go travel, which I think experiences are true. But if you make a lot of decisions in the early part of your life, you can get way ahead. And I think that that's a, it's a really good book. Um, and then amp it up from a business like leadership. If you're a business person and you're starting a company or leading a business, Amp It Up by Frank Slootman is absolutely incredible. He's, he talks about war on incrementalism and like, don't go for little gains, go for transformational uh, gains. And really like whether it's us going after a new opportunity or us, you know, cutting costs, like don't cut one or two costs, cut them all so you're good. And then same thing with opportunities, like don't try to like get one or 2% better, try to get 100% better. Uh, try to think of things completely different to have transformational, um, non-incremental gain. So both of those books, I think are huge. Awesome. I'll have to check them out. I haven't read either. Um, any events that you're excited about going to next year? Going to the Super Bowl. We're throwing a little dinner for our athletes. Uh, that'll be fun. Cool. And then uh, what's another? Uh, I usually go to one F1 a year. I, last year, I went to the one in Monaco right after my honeymoon. We were out there. What else? You know, I, are, I don't go to that many big events. Those are pretty big events. Like Chileno Bay and Ch- uh, me and my wife just sitting there drinking, that, playing golf and just drinking uh, some margaritas. That sounds like a, I don't like being that around sounds, people on my free time. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Steven, thank you so much. Where can our, our listeners connect with you? Steven at cutsclothing.com is my email. I guess I didn't maybe not want to put that one out there actually. At Steven Borelli on at Stephen Borelli on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Twitter's okay. probably your best bet. Don't email me. I'll probably delete it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate your time. Awesome. If you liked this podcast, follow me and The Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.